0: I want to start off with a question. Um, who in here has ever made a list of New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. So not a rhetorical question. Raise your hand. Okay, some of you have never made New Year's resolutions. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. You just do it. You want to change your life, you just, you just do it. You don't have to wait for the new year. But some of us make New Year's resolutions at the beginning of the year, right? And um, we make these lists about things that we want to do differently about our life, right? So... We think, man, life would be better if I could change this thing about my life. And, you know, we create these lists. And isn't it just great to make these lists? We feel so awesome at the beginning of the year. We're like, man, I'm going to run nine times a day. And in between runs, I'm going to eat vegetables and journal about life and maybe take a few walks in nature more. And, you know, we make these lists about things that we want to do. How long do those last? Like four weeks, maybe like six weeks, some of us. Some of us like get through March and then it's like, no, downhill from there. But I wish we could make more realistic lists sometimes. Like I'm going to run like once this year. (laughs) Like like, I can handle that. I can run once, you know. But we make these lists, you know, we, we, we play this game and it's fun to dream. It's fun to think about what life could be like if... You know, if this changed, if this thing about my life was different, if I could change this habit or do this thing, life would be better, fill in the blank. So we play this game, and it shows, I think, that there's oftentimes a disconnect in between uh, talking and trying. So I think that's, that's what it shows. It, we, we, talk, we talk about it, it's so fun, it's so easy. Trying is hard, and there's a gap between our talking and our trying. So often this is also true of me in my spiritual journey. My walk with God as I kind of go on this spiritual journey that we're all on. I love to talk and dream about like, what life could be like if I could just, if I could do this, if I could stop this. And, and so many times that's where it ends. I just kind of end at talking. Um, and I, I never get to actually living in a different way. So today I was just kind of thinking about this text and I was like, I don't want to get up here and give you a, a motivational talk about things in the Bible and then motivate you to the parking lot. And just talk about it, you know? And then pass the parking lot, it's like, oh, life's kind of the same. Um, I, I don't want to do that. I was like, how, how do we look at this text? How do we as a family here in Nashville, at Ethos, in Hillsborough Village, how do we open up the scriptures and encounter God in such a way that it actually moves us from talking to trying to actually living in a different way? So that's the goal. Uh, maybe we'll get there with God's help, um, but. I pray and hope that our time together causes us to move past just talking, so with that said, what are we talking about today All right so what, what are we going to look at in in the scriptures if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we've been in mark uh, the book of Mark since February, and we've just been trucking along verse by verse. It took us like eight months to get through like four or five chapters. you know like we've just been going verse by verse, and we're taking a three week break during this season to kind of get back to the basics and look at what uh, we believe is core about living life with Jesus and get back to kind of our mission statement at Ethos, our DNA as a church. And our mission at Ethos, we say this every week. It's on the blue banner back there. It says, love God, love people, and awaken a movement. Awaken the movement that Jesus began. That's the core of who we are as a church. And those three things, love God, love people, awaken movement, those are based around the three primary relationships that we believe Jesus had on earth. So that first one, love God, We talked about that a couple weeks ago, and we just explored the relationship that Jesus had with God, and how he just tells us that it's the most important thing about life. So maybe you've heard the story before where someone in the scriptures asked Jesus, he says, hey, what is the most important thing? Like, what's life about? And Jesus says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Like, give yourself to that. That's what the goal of life is. We looked at why that's just the most important thing. It's the big thing. Go after that experiencing God. And it doesn't stop there, though. If you remember that story, Jesus says, but if I could tell you a second thing um, that's also just as important, it's just like the first one, it's to love others or love your neighbor. We, we call it love people. It's just as important. Jesus follows it up. So the second thing is just like the first one. So that's kind of the second primary relationship that Jesus had with people on earth, him and his disciples, uh, loving people uh, that follow Jesus. And we looked at that part of our mission last week. We reflected on how God, like literally, created us for community, like created us to do life together as uh, or, or with other people, not in isolation. That He created His church to function like a body that needs the other parts and interacts and encourages and upbuild, uh, upholds and builds each other up in order to experience life and health. Uh, love God, love people. Uh, that's what we've looked at for the past two weeks, and it doesn't stop there either. So Jesus' third primary relationship on earth, I kind of see this all throughout the scriptures, was with people that were far from God. So he, he constantly surrounded himself with people that um, were overlooked, searching, hurting, skeptical, broken, sick, oppressed, overlooked. Like These are the people that Jesus went after and surrounded himself with. So today, we're gonna look at and reflect on what it means to be a church, what it means to be a people um, that is committed to awakening a movement, Awakening the movement of Jesus by living on mission. So that's where we're going today. Uh, how do we awaken a movement by living on mission? Uh, so to give you a little context about uh, what, we're, what we've been looking at approaching uh, Luke 10, uh, again, if you use using one of our Bibles, it's on page 724. A little context on where this story falls in the, the greater story. Um, they, the disciples, Jesus' 12 followers, have been following Jesus for a while now. They've been seeing him teach. And seeing him do just incredible things through the power of God, seeing him connecting with the person of God and the people of God. And Jesus has really modeled for them what it means to be a person who loves God and loves people. So you see him getting away in the morning and praying, connecting with God, you see him uh, you know, connecting with his disciples, teaching his disciples, and doing it together. He doesn't ask him to do it alone. And this is the point where Jesus is going to get to that third part of his mission. So he, he's kind of modeled for this. This is what it means to love God. This is what it means to love each other as we go through life. And this is going to be what it means to go out on mission, to, to live on mission. So again, as I was reading and studying this week, I was like, how do we bring this down beyond talking, where it actually affects us in our life? Um, it's so hard to live out. So um, as I looked at this text from that angle, I think there are four commands of Jesus uh, that might help us close the gap between our talking and our trying. So Um, we're going to look at uh, four things, go, discover, show, and tell. That's where we're going, go, discover, show, and tell. So let's jump into the text, Uh, Luke 10, verses 1 through 9. I'll read these, and we'll jump into the text. Verse 1, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and sent them on, sent them on ahead of him, by, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go, and he said to them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. therefore pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. It's kind of a weird saying that Jesus says." Um, it, Without going into too much detail, there, all Jesus is saying is, "Hey, this is urgent. You know, like, don't carry, uh, you know, anything with you. Don't carry a backpack. Just go. This is an urgent mission. It's important." Verse five: Whatever house you enter, first say, "Peace be to this house." And if a son of peace is there, if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Verse eight. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. In verse 9, this is important. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that you have given us uh, just a recording of who you are and what you're like. Uh, Would you open our eyes to see you for who you really are? Would you remove the scales uh, from our eyes so we can actually see you, God? Uh, would you help us to hear your voice as you speak to us from your word uh, through your Holy Spirit? We need your help to do this, God. Uh, we ask this in your beautiful name. Amen. So let's look at the first, uh, first command of Jesus, to go. So if we look back at those first three v- verses, kind of look at those with me real quick. He says, uh, he appointed 72, sent, sent them on ahead of him into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you. You, know, you see all this going language, all this sending language. So it kind of says to me that there's a sentness to the mission of Jesus. There's a going about the mission of Jesus. So often we take a, a field of dreams approach, approach to living on mission. Anybody ever seen Field of Dreams? So it's this movie, there's a really famous quote. that says, if we build it, They will come, right? So it's a great movie. If we build it, they will come. And so often we live this way uh, when we kind of try to live on mission. Okay, if we can just make a worship gathering really awesome, have like the best thing ever, the lights, you know, all all the stuff, and let's just invite people here. If we build it up, maybe people will come. I think that's how so many uh, of churches in in American culture kind of operate. There's nothing wrong with inviting people uh, to come encounter God in this place. It's a great thing to do, but the mission of Jesus is more than just inviting. I think Jesus is saying that to live on mission, it involves a certain amount of going. We talk about at Ethos uh, awakening a movement. We talk about this a lot it's in the language of our culture here. And I think if we want to awaken a movement, sometimes we have to be willing to move, we have to be willing to go, we have to be willing to be sent by God. Now, for all of us in this room, going is going to mean different things to different people. So God calls some of us to move across the world, sell everything we have, and, and go find people in the world that, that need the love of Jesus in a, in a specific way. Some of us, it's across the city or across the hall or across the lunch table with a coworker. worker uh, Going means different things for all of us. Uh, and sometimes it simply means going to the places we're already going to with purpose. Uh, but regardless of where it is that we're going... I think that uh, of anything else, it almost always means that we as the people of God make the first move toward other people. Uh, I think that's the big point about going, that we as the people of God make the first move toward others. Toward the hurting, toward the homeless, toward the broken, um, towards those that do not know God. And the reason we make the first move, the reason we reach out first, is because we have been reached out to by God before we ever did anything for God. So if, if you think, of, like, think about this for a moment, like before you were born, before you existed in, in, the, in the earth, in the world, you know, like before you were here, God loved you. Like he actually like had affection for you as his creation. Like that's cool. Think about, sorry, think about if like God, knowing everything you would ever do, everything in your past, everything in your future, he already knew that and still He loved you. Before you could do anything to earn that love or affection, uh, God's unconditional love was directed toward you. Like, that's crazy. There's a verse in Romans that says, while we were still sinners, while we were still running from God or broken, while we were in our mess, God loved us. Um, God reached out to us first in Jesus before we had ever done anything for him, ever done anything to earn that love or earn that affection. God reached out towards us so that we can know God. And we, in turn, get to reflect that characteristic of God to others. As we reach out to others, we go toward others before they have done anything for us to show them the love of God is for you. It's like toward you. God loves you. We reach out to others. We go. So that's the first thing. We, we go. That's the first command. The second one is discover. Discover. So uh, I played around a lot with the language to use in this in this part because it's not necessarily explicit in the text. Like you don't see the word "discover" in here, but I think this word really captures what Jesus is trying to say here. So in verse five, it says Jesus. Uh, Jesus talks about uh, going into a house and saying, "Peace be to this house." And um, there's this idea of a person of peace. Uh, that, Phrase that language isn't common to us, even really if you've been around church at all in your life, that's kind of a foreign phrase. Um, If we stop there and we don't dig into it, we'll miss some of the beauty and nuance of what Jesus is saying. Um, There's been whole books dedicated to this idea, but I want to try and summarize it for you in a really simple sentence. The idea of a person of peace is a person that God has uniquely prepared for you to connect with. A person of peace is a person That God has uniquely prepared for you to connect with. So, this could be because of a variety of reasons because of your life, your personality, the season uh, that you're walking through, your interests, but uh, this is the idea that I think Jesus is getting here or getting at here. Uh, so Jesus says, hey, when you go, to into, go into a house, say, peace be to this house. If a if person of peace is there, they'll uh, say it back, and your peace will rest upon them. And it's kind of this confusing thing. But in the first century, this was a phrase that they would often greet each other with. So they'd say, peace be to you, or peace be to this house. And if that person reciprocated that, it was almost like they were welcoming you into their life, welcoming you, welcoming you into their situation, accepting you into where they were and that you could dwell with them. You could have a voice into whatever season they were in. And in a similar way, I think there are people in life that you and I naturally connect with, and they welcome our presence into their lives. Uh, this gives us a unique voice and an ability to walk with them and to display who Jesus is to that person a- a- as you go through life with them. We'll talk some more about the practicals of that later on, but uh, what, the idea that I want you to focus on here is that God is already at work in the world. Like, God is moving and active in the world. And it's our um, joy. We get to discover where that is. So God is already at work in the world. We get to discover where. So many times when I think about living on mission, I think about living on mission for Jesus, the image that comes to my mind is like a blank sheet of paper. (laughs) It's like, okay, here we go. Like, I don't know what that means or where to start or what to do, so... I'm just not going to do it. You know, it's like, it's just kind of up in the clouds. Like, what what does that mean? I think living on mission is less like a blank sheet of paper and and more like a scavenger hunt that has clues attached to it, uh, where we get to go through life picking up on the clues that God has prepared for us in the world and living in to what the Holy Spirit has uh, prepared for us. There's a a verse in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, and it says, God has gone before us and prepared things for us to walk into in advance. Isn't that a crazy thought? Like, when you get up in in the morning, um, throughout the day, God has already prepared things for you to walk into. Like, God is already at work before you. And it's our joy to be able to discover what those things are. And so often, I think all it takes is two things being expectant and aware. I think that's all it takes sometimes. So many times I wake up in the morning and it's like, boom, to-do list, breakfast, coffee, and then on on my day, emails, you know, it's like everything is going all at once. And I just kind of blow through my day without ever expecting or being aware of what God is doing around me. Uh, To give you a story about how this has kind of worked out in my life, um, I really did not buy into this until about five months ago. I kind of lived my whole life, like I was good with loving God, like that was kind of, I was like, okay, I understand that, I follow Jesus, I need to love God, I follow Jesus, I want to be connected to a community of people uh, that loved God, um, but never really figured out how that third piece fit into my life. And so often it was, you know, told to me like, I need to go and do this thing and say this thing to this person, and it'll work. It was like a formula. And it just never worked out for me. And uh, some, some people on our staff began exploring this idea of person of peace um, last year and began learning and thinking about this more. And so th- this past summer, after one of our gatherings here at Hillsboro Village, we, we just kind of prayed and we said, all right, we're going to go out into the village and eat dinner together, just enjoy some, some time together. Uh, God, if, if you have anyone that you want us to encounter, uh, help us just have eyes for that and help us to have the courage to step into those moments. And to be honest, like I was up here praying that and I was like, ah probably won't happen. Like, I'm probably not going to find anything. It's never happened that way before. And I just had so much doubt in my heart. And so we go to K-Bob's. It's down here on 21st Avenue. Awesome place to eat. Um, and uh, so we're sitting there, K-Bob's, and uh, it's doing the NBA finals. And I'm a big sports guy, so I, I wanted to watch the game. We were all there, kind of wanting to watch the game. And so, but they had like, swimming on. Was, they're, like, middle of the NBA finals, and they're, like, showing swimming. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, come on. So I go up to the front, and... And I'm going to talk to the waitress and just kind of ask her, ask her uh, if we could change the channel. So as I go up there, this other guy also comes up there. And we kind of figure out immediately we're both after the same thing. Like, we want to watch the game. And so we kind of figure that out. And we're waiting on her to finish uh, taking care of a customer. So we kind of start talking. And, you know, we start talking about how we want LeBron to win. And we, like, love LeBron. And he was on one of the teams. And he's, he's an awesome player. And we kind of strike up this conversation. And it was like the Holy Spirit in an instant was just like, ding, ding, like person of peace right here. You're connecting with him, not by coincidence. Like this is an easy conversation for you for a reason. So it was like, okay, I'm not just going to say, okay, great. Nice to meet you. All right. What do I want to eat? You know, it was like, okay, I'm going to press into this conversation a little more. And so again, asking him about his life. Hey, hey, what do you do? How long have you been in Nashville? And we struck up this conversation for about 15 minutes. And uh, he asked what I did. I was like, I'm a pastor, and I also do some video stuff on the side, and it's kind of what I do. And he seemed kind of interested, and I was like, okay, what do I do? And I was just trying to feel out what to do here. We wrap up, we wrap up our conversation, and I kid you not, these are the words that came out of his mouth. He said, so um, I don't believe in God, but you're a pastor, right? Let's get, to, let's get coffee sometime and talk about that. I'd love to learn about God. And I was like, hold up. Like, that, it doesn't happen that easy. And it was like a T-ball moment. God was like, okay, on the tee, you can't miss it. Just, just swing. <laughs> like, your your eye, eyes closed, you can handle this one, Larkin. And, and um, just this awesome moment. We, we got to hang out and to see this guy's spiritual journey and um, moving to the United States from a foreign country and just all the, the spiritual journey that he has been on. Got to have coffee with him and lunch several times and just begin to develop this relationship with this guy. It's a person of peace. As a person of peace, God prepared this guy to connect with me in this moment. I just had to be aware of it. We prayed for it. We were expectant of it. I just had to be open eyes to what God was doing. Now, this story doesn't tell you the countless times that I've been too preoccupied with my phone or too uh, distracted by what I wanted to think about, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to eat, where I wanted to go, because that's happened more often than not. Um, it's an area that's like, that's the one time that, it like, worked. And it's just this moment where I to- would have totally missed it had I not been aware of what was going on and pressed in deeper. So I just want to, like, encourage you. Like, be aware. Like, be expectant. God is working in the world. We get to discover where. If we looked at go, we looked at discover. Uh, the next thing uh, we're going to look at, that kind of the third and fourth commands of Jesus are to show and to tell. So let's look at, at show In verse eight and nine, uh, it says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what's set before you, heal the sick in it and say to them. So there's this element of doing or showing. There's an element of saying or telling. So show and tell. So what does Jesus say about showing? He says, when you encounter people of peace, people that you connect with, show them the power of God. Don't just come with talk. Display who God is to them. So one element, I think, of showing people who God is is a very clear call to go and seek out people who are oppressed, who are hurting, who are broken, and to show them the love of God. So it's like easy, clear cut right here. Feed the poor. Like care for and fight for the rights of the oppressed. Show people the unconditional love of God. Easy, clear cut. But there's another part of this, I think, that is much bigger. And Jesus is gonna call them to do something that they can't do on their own. He says, go and heal the sick. I wonder what the disciples were feeling in this moment. Like, can you imagine Jesus saying this to you? It's kind of easy to follow someone around physically in first century Palestine, you know, walking around. Okay, I follow Jesus where he goes, like literally, and uh, watch what he does and listen to his teachings. Like, that's not kind of passive following. But then Jesus gathers all of his disciples and, uh, you know, some of the other committed followers, and he's like, all right, here we go. You and you, you're going to Capernaum. (laughs) You and you, you're going over here, you're going to this city, and you and you. Here's how it's going to go down. And he tells them to heal the sick. Like, think what's going through their mind right now. They've only watched. They've only seen. They have not yet done anything. And Jesus is asking them to do something so significant. Um, Has anyone ever seen Iron Chef, the, the TV show Iron Chef? Yes. So if you don't know how Iron Chef works, they take these two amazing chefs, like world-class chefs. And they put them in this awesome like arena and they give them like a, a stove and all these ingredients and stuff. And there's like a secret ingredient they have to cook with. And it's like they compete back and forth You have an hour to create this awesome meal. And they're judged. And it's a fun show. So imagine if you're sitting in the crowd, like watching this live and you're just like, man, this is awesome. They're so good at cooking. You know, like, that would be so much fun to eat. I wish I was a judge, you know, just like loving the moment. And Bobby Flay, like one of the you know the Iron Chefs, he's a, he's a, a, one of the American Chefs, and he's like, you know what? I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna step back and take a break for a second. And he comes up in into the crowd and grabs you out of the crowd and pulls you down in into the midst of the Iron Chef arena. And he's like, all right, have you seen people cook before? Have you cooked? Okay, so you kind of know how to cook. Um, ovens right here, and some of the ingredients are over there. All right, here we go. I'm going to head out. Like, can you, like, world watching, like, can you imagine what you would do? Like, you'd be like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go back up, and I might might snack on some of this, but I'm not going to cook it. You know, it's like, what would you do in this moment? This had to have felt impossible for the disciples. They're just like, Jesus, you are not clear-headed right now. Like, we can't do this. Um, It feels impossible for me. It's like, this is professional faith, and I'm very much still JV, (laughs) this feels impossible. And I was having such a hard time figuring out how to teach this part of the text this week. Uh, In my doubt, I wanted to water it down and make it easy and manageable and something that we could all do. And I could give you a, a, a thing to do this week and it would be easy and helpful, you know, like, hey, just go out and do this thing, feed the poor and encourage this one person. And those are all things to some degree I can do under my own strength that we can do without the power of God. They're all connected and necessary to the mission of Jesus, but we can kind of do those on our own, can't we? I, I don't want to need God. I, I don't want to have to rely on God to come through in these moments. Uh, it's just doubt that creeps up in my heart, and I'm like, oh, it's just terrifying to me to step out in faith like that. Sometimes it's, it's tough uh, to get up here and just, like, talk about things that I fall so short at. Like, I have so much room to grow in this area. So much room to grow. I want to live on mission with Christ. It's like, I want to do it in a very controlled, risk-free way that doesn't like require me to rely on God. The reality is the invitation of Jesus to live on mission is an invitation into the impossible. The invitation of Jesus to live on mission is an invitation into the impossible. It's an invitation to be an actual conduit of the power of the God of the universe into this world. Like that's what is before us in living on mission and we can't do it by ourselves. So if you leave here today, like we, we wrap up here and you go to lunch and you're kind of thinking, okay, yeah, I think I can do that on my own. <laughs> I totally, totally blew it. Like that is not something that we can leave here thinking that we could go and do this on our own. I, I would have given you a watered down, cheap view of a life devoted to Jesus. I think living on mission is a life fully of relying on Jesus. Living on mission is a life fully of relying on Jesus. So it's not just serving at the food bank once a month. It's boldly stepping into the places and the situations where we need God to come through. Otherwise, it won't work. We will fail. We need God's help. So there's an element of showing. We've looked at going, discovering these people that God has placed in our path. Once we have uh, kind of discovered those people, we get to show them. We also get to tell them. So Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, go a step further and tell them the kingdom of God has drawn near. So this is both and, it's not either or. So he's not like, okay, uh, do some things for them and show them, and then if you want to, you can also tell them about it, you know, if you'd like. He's like, show and tell. Uh, This is what's happening here. We get to tell people about how the grace of God has changed our lives. Like, I get to say, this is how God took me from someone who was addicted to not, Like the grace of God moved me on that journey. It was the grace of God. Get to tell people about how the mercy of God, the peace of God, the joy of God have come into our life and changed how we live and experience life. Get to point people to the place of true fulfillment and true satisfaction in life. This doesn't mean we go around yelling at people and telling them, hey, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, like smacking them with the Bible. Like, it's not what this means. It's like relationally, life on life, we get to discover the people of peace that God has brought into our life. We get to show them, we get to tell them with the Holy Spirit leading us what it means to be loved by God, what it means to be someone who's following God. We listen to the Holy Spirit, we discern the right moments to show and tell on this journey. Man, talking about this is fun, isn't it? It's like, yeah, let's do it, let's go, let's live right now and go do it, you know? It's so hard to actually do this, isn't it? I can't remember how many sermons I've listened to like this where I'm like, yes, and then my life stays the same. I don't know if you've ever been in that spot. Uh, That's more often not (laughs) my experience. But it's like, what uh, will move us past the New Year's resolution, spirituality? Like, what will move us out of this? We've looked at four uh, commands in this story, in this text, that I think will help us do that. But I also wanna address a few obstacles that might keep us from doing those. Um, so these are obstacles to maybe going and discovering and showing and telling. I think the first one is fear. They're just scared. Like, what will this person think if I do this? You know, how will they view me? Will they think I'm crazy? You know, I can't go there to follow God. What will happen if I take a summer off from work to follow this call of God on my life? Will I fall behind in classes? What if I pray for this person and nothing happens? Like, what, what do I do then, you know? going to look like a fool. And there's this fear that often cripples us from ever going or uh, discovering or showing or telling. We're so afraid that we'll encounter people who don't accept us that it paralyzes us from ever going across the world, across the city, across the hall. Fear often cripples us from trying. Another one is comfort. So more often than not, whether I like it or not, um, getting like going involves getting out of the place that I am that's comfortable. Uh, the places that we feel most comfortable, the conversations that we feel most comfortable in. Uh, we might have to give up something or deny ourselves something or step out of our comfort zone. And, man, it's so hard. We, we don't want to give up a life that's comfortable and easy where we don't have to rely on God to come through. It's way easier. It's not as hard. We don't have to trust in God. We don't have to rely on him. Uh, another obstacle, I think, and this is the one, from being transparent, really affects me sometimes is that, um, I believe the lie that the stakes are low. I believe the lie that the stakes are low. When we, when we don't uh, really love God and, and like understand his mission, what God is doing, why he's doing it, we, we won't realize why his mission is important. Uh, when all this is just a game, like when we come in this place and just kind of show up, sing some songs, listen to a guy talk, and then go to lunch, and, and that's all our encounter with God is, It's like, why would we ever try to overcome fear and get out of our comfort zone to live on mission? It's like, why would we do those things? The stakes are low for our living on mission. Why would we ever do it? So so what are the stakes? Are the stakes low? Does it matter if we really follow Jesus' mission? Can I just love God and love people? What if I don't want to awaken a movement? Like, is that possible for a Jesus follower? Um, I think the stakes are really high. And I want to show you what the stakes are. Go down to verse 17, Luke 10, verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy. The 72 returned with joy. So it, it, here's what it's at stake. If I could put it really simply, what's at stake is our joy and fulfillment in God and others' discovery of that joy and fulfillment. Our joy and fulfillment is at stake here. And other people's discovery of that joy, of that fulfillment, is also at stake. Isn't it cool that God has hardwired into his creation, that fully participating in the things God created us for would give us the most joy? Um, when he uh, says, hey, live on mission, like love people, love God, like he's not robbing joy or satisfaction in life from this. He's giving to us the things that he created us to experience most deeply and that will bring us the most joy. And it takes a lot of trust to believe those things that God gives to us. But he's saying this is what will bring you joy in life. This is what will bring you satisfaction in life. And so often I settle for lesser joys and lesser experiences because I don't believe that it's really there or that it really matters. Jesus cared so deeply about this mission because he loved people. And we get the opportunity to participate with him as others discover that joy and fulfillment. That's God's way that he wants to infiltrate the world is through us. And Jesus cared about this mission. And if we're devoted to Jesus, then we get to follow in that devotion. So how do we overcome those obstacles? How do we live? How do we go and discover and and show and tell and overcome these obstacles? What do we do? I think it goes back to what we've talked about the last two weeks. Love God, love people. That's where it starts. Everything flows from that. If we aren't connected to God, if we don't love God, we won't understand or value the mission. If we don't love people and and live out the mission together, we will burn out. Do you notice how Jesus sent them out in twos? You know, he didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. He knew that if they tried to do this alone, they would burn out, they would come up short, they would not be able to fulfill the mission. They needed accountability to other people to spur them on, remind them why it was important. We have to be connected to God. We have to do it in community. And that will allow us to overcome the obstacles and move from talking to trying. So as we wrap up, um, I wanna give you a few tangible handles that you can hold on to today and this week as we try to go out and live on mission. Um, So I've got a lot of words that begin with the letter P. So if you wanna write them down, you can write them down. Um, Hopefully they'll be easy to remember. Uh, The three words are proximity, passion, and purpose. Proximity, passion, purpose. So think about proximity for a moment. There are people in your life that you connect with and relate to them solely on the basis of your proximity. So the people in your dorm, you didn't choose that probably. Uh, the people at your workplace. Maybe you chose that, but I mean, that's a proximity. You might, might not hang out with those people otherwise. Um, the people in, in your classes. You see and relate to those people based on proximity. Another aspect is passion. So there are also people in your life that you relate solely on the base, basis of passion, shared interests, shared causes. You both love Baja Burrito, right? Any, any people of peace right here, we both love Baja Burrito, right? Like, okay, Joshua. He goes every day, I think, except Sundays because they're closed. It's like we, we share a passion, you know? That's something we can talk about and connect on. You see and relate to those people based on your passion. Uh, so under the purpose, h- how can we live with purpose in those two areas? So if I could get a, give you a question um, to write down. Here's the question. Who are the people of peace in the areas of my proximity and passion? Who are the people of peace in the areas of my proximity and passion that I With whom I can live on purpose, live with purpose. Sorry, I totally messed that up. Uh, Who are the people of peace in the areas of my proximity and passion, with whom I can live with purpose? Lots of P's there. Sorry. How can you live with purpose with those people? How can we have our eyes open to people of peace? Remember, people of peace, people that we connect with uniquely because God has prepared them, put them in our path. Those people of peace. When when you connect with those people, how can we live with purpose there? As you go throughout your week, I want you to pay attention to who you're around throughout your week. Proximity and passion. When you encounter those people, how can you live with purpose? God's uniquely placed them in your life. How can you show them? How can you tell them about who God is? In a moment, we're going to take communion together. This is something we do every week. This is a moment where we get to uh, go to the table and we get bread and juice and remember who God is and what he's done for us. Uh, how Jesus died and shed his blood and his body was broken so that we might know God. And this is a time that we can participate uh, on this mission. So we get to take this moment and reflect and love God. We get to connect with God and pray to God. We get to connect, we get to love God, and reflect on what God says to us. This is also a time to love people. So oftentimes we circle up our chairs and we talk about what God is saying to us, what we feel like God is speaking to us in these moments. So it's a time to love people. And I'd encourage you during this time, uh, be really practical with the people you came with. Just circle up your chairs or get with the person you came with and just ask God to open your eyes to people of peace. Just, God, help me be expectant. Help me be aware as I go through life. I encourage you to, to talk about those people. What are the obstacles that are keeping me from going? What are the obstacles that are keeping me from showing or telling? What fears are holding me back? Ask God for his help with those things. Like Go to God in community. Hold each other accountable to the things God is speaking to you about. During this time, if if you want to talk or pray, every week we have this respond banner in the back. It's red and it says respond. And There will be some people back there every week, men and women, that if you just need somebody to pray for you, if you want to talk to somebody, you have a question that you'd like to process with somebody, always available. I'll be back there. Would love to pray with you. Would love to talk with you. Um, It's a great spot to just come and reflect on the words of God. Um, I love you guys so much, and I hope that, that God helps us move from talking to trying today. Let's pray.